Good morning. Happy Sabbath. TJ's bringing up the stools this morning, and while he's doing that, I'm going to mention a couple of things. And uh, one is that our Thanksgiving meal is coming up, so I'm just going to start this around. There are two important items needed for the meal, and that is stuffing and mashed potatoes. You'll notice there's a couple other open spots, but those are the two big open spots for our Thanksgiving meal on the 13th. And you can go to the slides, uh, the next slides. I'm going to let you move those. I don't have my phone with me. So today you're getting a handout, and that handout is the 14 points that we'll be covering in review of the five-part series that we've had so far. There's also a page on our church website that has this handout or a version of this handout, as well as the links to the slides and the sermon in both video and audio. So if you want to go back and review in light of the, the summary points that we're giving you today, you can do that. And all of those resources are on one page on our church website. It's uh, resources under the media page. And again, you can see the link on the site. We had a, last weekend a wonderful time on Sabbath. Our outreach was a a lunch together. We had a community, what was it, a fall friendship luncheon. I don't have any pictures from that, but we had probably about 40 people here from folks I'd met at the clothing bank to some of our neighbors from, I think, Apple Tree and I know from the Brunswick Retirement Village. We had a wonderful gathering. Good soup. Thank you for those of you who prepared the soup and uh, some wonderful apple crisp and some good fellowship. So it was a good time last Sabbath. These are slides from our volunteer appreciation banquet for our clothing bank volunteers. That was on Sunday. So a huge thank you again to both our volunteers who made the banquet possible, as well as our volunteers who made, who make the clothing bank run. Several of them I'm looking at in the audience today. So if you want to volunteer at the clothing bank, you can always reach out to me and, um, I'm the interim director at the moment, so we'd love to have you. We have room for more hands on deck, and uh, we do have a wonderful time there, and it's a pretty special thing to connect with our community through the ministry that is happening at the clothing bank. TJ, let's uh, move into, I, I guess, a couple things as TJ is coming up. Pandemic Busters, that's a free book for you, prepping uh, for the health series that's starting on November 10. There's information in the lobby yeah, November, November 11, I think it's 11, no, 10, 11, 12, Thursday, Friday night, and then Sabbath morning and afternoon, and that's starting November 10. So Pandemic Busters is written by the, by the doctor who will be speaking for that series, Dr. Ramirez. So we'd love for you to have a copy. If you haven't picked one up, there are copies available in the lobby. And if you're just visiting today, there's a Connect card in the pew in front of you. We would love to know a little bit about you. That's enough. Let's get into our study today. TJ is going to pray for us, and then uh, we'll get started. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this blessed Sabbath day, for the privilege and opportunity to come and dwell in your house. Lord, we ask that you may teach us today. As we review the things that Nathan and I have gone over, Lord, we pray for a deepening impression in our minds that we may submit to your spirit, Lord, in humbleness and humility. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Okay. So this has been an incredible journey. It, we're still in the middle of it. This is only summary of the first five presentations. And so we tried to put them together. It is actually, as we were talking and preparing, we're like, well, that's a lot of information. So we put it down. It's handed out to you so you can look at it. There's note space so you can add your notes. There are no text slides today. We just have information slides. If you, we, we may mention, and probably will mention some text references, you can add those. The page on the website's designed, if you want to go back and watch the presentations or review the slides and then add notes to this summary sheet, that is a possibility too. Why don't you read the first one of those statements for us? I'm going to get my phone. All right. So we'll start with point one, the darkness. Darkness fell on our world when Adam and Eve believed Satan's lies about God, losing sight of the glory of his love. This darkness resulted in twisting how people understood God and morally devastated the human family. Self-love became the central theme of human existence. Mm. So when we look at this, in Isaiah 60, verse 1, there was a statement made by the prophet that darkness shall cover the entire earth and gross darkness to people. And when we look at Romans 1, we are given a detailed listing. Right? It runs through this myriad of sins that encompasses humanity. And in their sinful state, they have transferred the glory of God into a glory that is focused on themselves. Hmm. And in doing so, they have elevated themselves and creation above God, mm. thereby disguising what the true character of God is. Yes, and so that was in the beginning of our series. We, we wanted to dial back and start with the fall and then discover how Isaiah 58 and mm -hmm. the Sabbath, etc., tied into God's restorative work. And so that's why we started with this, this darkness that falls on the human family and is defined by self-love and self-interest. Right. And then point two, in contrast to that, is God's glory. And the glory of God is his beautiful character of other-centered love. That, that character was, was covered or masked over as a consequence of the fall, or I should say the fall came as Adam and Eve believed lies about that character, and then humanity be tumbled into a deep, dark state and continues right. to... And the, in the revelation of God's character, uh, we can see in Exodus 33 and 34. Mm. So Moses, right, who has this face-to-face, -face, this intimate relationship with God, desires more. And he asks... Show me your glory. Mm -hmm. And then God proceeds to take him up to the mount and declares who he is, right? that he is merciful and long-suffering. That is what he desires for humanity to know about mm. him. That is the key element that he passes on to Moses. That's powerful. Just, just as you're speaking, got me thinking. Just that the whole human story is this story of God working toward and longing to reveal himself, to be known. Exodus 25 is this sanctuary text about God saying, 
Build me a sanctuary. Build me a tent so I can come and be with you. This darkness falls on the earth, but God's deepest longing is to move back in to close fellowship and proximity and for human beings to be able to come back into that close fellowship with him. It's an incredible statement of God's desire, right, to draw near Mm -hmm. to us. Everything that he does, every step that he takes is to make himself known to Mm, humanity, right, to dispel that darkness. So you get uh, number three. A character like God's. God's. God desires us to be like him in character, radiant with his love, which is especially revealed in how we treat the marginalized. Hmm. So we talk about God longing to be known, to reveal himself and to be known. Mm -hmm. His invitation is for us, as we come to know him, to participate in that revelation, that discovery, that recovering of the sense of who God is. And that's why his longing is for us to become like him in right, character. Right. And that revelation to Moses on the mount wasn't just a declaration of who he was. Mm. It was essentially a call to action. Mm. It was his desire that when passed down to Moses, that Moses would pass that message to the people. The intent is that he is merciful and long-suffering, that they would be merciful and mm. long-suffering, right? In order for them to complete what God had for them to do. Yep. The and so, around them. yeah, go ahead. Well, yeah, So then we come to number four, which is the mission again. And and by the way, let me just go back to this this slide that we overlooked. Two thematic elements. There's 14 points here, some sub-points under those. If you keep these two ideas in mind, you'll see them thread through many of the sub-points that we're going to make. And those two points are, number one, character matters. In everything we're talking about today, that's the one thing that all of us need to take away is that character matters. And number two, that our character is primarily revealed in how we relate to the marginalized, to the hurting in, in the world around us. Right. So I think that we're on number four, the mission. Four. And you'll see character come up. That's what triggered me to go back to that earlier slide. God's mission for his people has always been to make known his character. We literally participate in the revelation of God's character to the world around us, pushing back the darkness of evil through selfless lives. This, these pieces just can't forget that they're connected, that they're all part of this. Right, and I think it's an important framework to view the gospel from. Everything that God does is to reveal his character to humanity. Right? It's the central theme of the gospel. An all-powerful God that would give the utmost, even his life, mm. in order to redeem humanity. That's the great controversy, right? What is it about? It is this controversy over who God is. Mm-hmm. The claims that Satan has made that malign the character of God, the challenge has to be met. Mm-hmm. Right? And he invites us he invites us to participate in that. He doesn't need us, but he invites us to do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's an incredible concept that this all-powerful being would look down upon this sinful creation and invite us to take place in redeeming his character. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's an awesome thought to me. I can't even really wrap my head around it, 
right? But I am thankful for that opportunity. I think it shows, again, something that even the Sabbath enshrines, this longing yeah. of God to know and be known. Mm-hmm. It, it's not a passing or a side note in the story of God for him to be in relationship right. with us. That's, right. that's essential to how he has built and desires the universe to run. Right. And unfortunately, part of, part of that deception is God at a distance. Hmm. But that's not the case, right? We're the ones that push him away. Yeah. He desires to draw closer to us, mm-hmm. right? To be in deep communion with us. That's right. That's right. So number five. Character transfer, oh, excuse me, character alone. Character transformation, loving like God matters, loving like God loves, matters because we cannot fulfill God's mission of revealing his selfless love without this transformation. Mm-hmm. Number six, the last, uh, yes, the last act, or as it says up there, uh, here it is, final act, the revelation of God's beautiful character in one final full exhibition is the last act in redemption history before the return of Jesus and the catalyst for the final struggle between good and evil. Again, noticing the character motif, this character theme that shows up, and this character theme as being defined by radical loving of others, especially the hurting and the marginalized. Right. When we look at this final act, right, I'm reminded of Revelation 18. Mm -hmm. And there is this call for the people of God under the banner of the three angels' messages to spread, mm-hmm. to illuminate the world with the glory of God. But we've already established what that is. It is his character. So we are to spread the character of God throughout the world. Mm. It supersedes everything else. Not that the other things from a doctrinal perspective aren't important, but what God desires is a character transformation in our lives. And through that character change, we spread the light of his love mm-hmm. to the That's world. Right. That's right. Because yeah, again, that... the world doesn't know him, mm-hmm. right? The mechanism that they get to know him mm-hmm. is through us and the acts that we do to others. That's right. That's right. Exactly. And I think you have... So, so this kind of brings us to kind of a switching point in the flow of the notes. And so we, we start to touch on some of the more Isaiah 58 mm-hmm. specific themes. And the first of those is what's addressed early in Isaiah 58, which is false worship. False worship. False worship in our discussion is any profession of loyalty to God while disavowing or misrepresenting him in character. The desire to know him without becoming like him is an irreconcilable contradiction. And, I, and, and so what you're seeing here is this character theme all the way through. So we mm-hmm. talked about character. God's intent is, is to be known, to know and be known by human beings in fellowship, right? right? His people are called into that. And now we see that worship itself is inseparable from the revelation of God's character to and through us. Right. The natural result of truly knowing God is that we become like him. Mm-hmm. By beholding, we become changed. Yeah. So, consequently, we cannot say that we know God if we aren't like him. Mm. If we aren't reflecting his way of thinking when it comes to the marginalized, 
to the com when it comes to the less fortunate, when it comes to those that we may consider enemies. Mm. Recall Matthew 25. There's a distinction made between two groups. One that did the religious services, that believed that they were following his will. But the separation that God makes is that those individuals did not do for the less fortunate. Mm. So they're cast out. Because their characters didn't, weren't in the mold right. of his character. And they did not align with who mm -hmm. he was. Therefore, Jesus says, I never knew you. Mm. Regardless of all that they had done for the church, mm. for the cause, they never had that deep and abiding relationship with Christ that allowed them to truly know who he was. Mm. A good book that came to mind is 1 John. 1 John's an excellent book talking about love and love defining mm -hmm. character. Mm. Really along the lines of what you just, just right. said. Right. Our, our standing with God. This is uh, another piece under point seven. Our standing with God is not determined by the accuracy of our doctrinal, doctrinal knowledge, but by the quality of our characters, period. This is one of two statements we wanted to be very clear on. As human beings, we have a tendency to prioritize information over transformation. And doctrine is really valuable. Mm -hmm. Doctrine provides a lens through which we see God potentially, true good doctrine, mm -hmm. provides a lens through which we see God clearly, and that vision can, can be transformative. But when we limit our religious our sense of religious success to knowledge of doctrinal ideas rather than a focus on character, then we miss the whole point. Right, right. It's, it's not about the head knowledge. It's about the heart knowledge. Jesus told the rulers that you search the scriptures seeking eternal life, but these are they which testify of me, mm -hmm. right? So everything pointed back to him and his character. But because they had a, a misunderstanding of what the focus was supposed to be, they missed him. Mm -hmm. They couldn't discern what they needed to discern because their, their mind and their focus was elsewhere. It wasn't on truly the character of God. It was about gaining as much knowledge, right? This belief that the knowledge, knowledge of Scripture somehow equates to knowledge of God. And that's mm -hmm. not the case. It has right. to be experienced. Right? It can't just be read. It has to be read and it has to be lived. Mm -hmm. It's fascinating that they could be actually very successful theologians mm -hmm. but not recognize God walking among them. Right. Take the next one. I think this is another continuing continuation. Point yes. There is no theological truth that surpasses the paramount importance of character. None. And we see that called out mm. in the early verses in Isaiah mm -hmm. 58, where God is looking at their religious services, their, their fasting. Mm -hmm. And he draws a stark contrast to that. That's not what he's looking for. Yep. That's not what he wants. Not that those things don't have their place. But when they become the sole focus of worship, when they become the sole focus of our service to him, it becomes a problem. Right? Because mm -hmm. it is still inward. Mm. Right? And what God desires is that outward expression of our worship service. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
And one of the th things I think of that was in my mind as we were putting these together is I've made the mistake and I've witnessed it that sometimes we, we hold to a theological idea and we're willing to sacrifice Christian decency. We're willing to sacrifice compassion, mm -hmm. kindness, because we think that having the right idea is more important right. than having the right spirit and the right character. But biblically, the reverse is true. It doesn't mean that we're displacing truth, but if the truth we know does not make us beautiful people, we had better get back to ground zero of becoming beautiful people and making sure that we're not substituting information for transformation. Right, and, and I, I have to admit, I've unfortunately done a lot of spiritual damage in my life mm. because it was about having that information and making sure whoever I was talking to understood that information. And the more I could drill it into their heads, the more I could make them feel small because of their lack of spiritual knowledge, the better I felt about myself, mm. right? I had convinced myself that I was actually doing God's work when I made people feel inferior mm. about their spiritual beliefs. And in reality, I'm doing the work of Satan. Mm. Again, it's not to say that, that passing on this spiritual knowledge isn't important, but, but what, what manner are we doing it in? Mm. How are we communicating the gospel to those around us? We were talking uh, uh, during the course of this week you know, about the text where, where Jesus says you know, that, that we proselyte right, around the world, but we end up making people more devils than we are mm. because of the way that we put this information out at times, in the manner and its structure. Mm. We're not meeting their needs. We're meeting our needs because we want to feel good about ourselves for what we've done. We can check it off the list. Mm. So we continue with point number eight, and this is true worship. Worship is an action word. More closely associated with God-honoring character than with public expressions of adoration. True worship is the honor we bring God through inspiring admiration of Him by lives of selfless service that reflect His beautiful character. And I have to say here, uh, Tammy, your story, amazing. Hmm. It is indicative of God's character in your life. The fact that people come to us and desire prayer, they see something, mm -hmm. they recognize something different, even if they don't pray. They see someone that they know that there is, it's different about them. Mm. So in their time of despair, in their time of need, when they call upon us, it is a reflection of God in us. Mm -hmm. Nothing about us, but they're willing to, to take that chance. They're in their worst moment and they turn to someone who they believe has a connection with God. Mm. That's powerful. That's the kind of worship that God is looking for, that mm. the world turns to us, mm. turns to, to, to an individual that they can say, 
When I'm at my lowest, when I'm at, when I'm at my worst, I'm going to ask this person to pray for me mm. because there's something about them that I can recognize that draws me to them. Mm-hmm. There's a statement that, uh, what is it, the highest form of flattery is imitation or something mm. like yeah. that. Jesus yeah. said in, in the Sermon on the Mount, let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify. That's an act of worship. Right. So our lives of, of living out God's mm-hmm. love in everyday interactions and especially to the, to the marginalized inspires in them adoration toward God. Right. So in, in opposition to the empty worship service that God points out in Isaiah 1 and 2, in verse 6, he then tells them, right? He instructs them, this is what I desire of you. This is the kind of worship I want to see, for you to loose the bands of the wicked, mm. to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, to break every yoke, mm-hmm. to feed the hungry, to bring the poor into our homes, to take care of our families, and to clothe the naked. Mm-hmm. Right? It's those acts of service that he desires, right? Not the, not the hollow worship service, mm-hmm. not just the coming, sitting, consuming, and that's it. It's come, partake, and now spread. Yeah. Yeah, and give. Mm, yep. That's good, and that's true worship. Exactly. So Isaiah 58, we're continuing a little bit more, and one of the things Isaiah 58 is that's highlighted is this gap, and uh, or more specifically in Isaiah language, a breach. And so we talked about that breach, and uh, what is that breach? So defining the breach, the breach is losing sight of the Sabbath as a formative context for knowing God and being formed in his image of selfless love so that we can steward the world well. So as we progress through, we've talked about the fall, then we talked about God's glory, God's longing to be known, and and for human beings to to see and be attracted to his beautiful Mm -hmm. character. We talked about God's people, that their mission is to join God in revealing his heart to the world. We've talked about true worship, and now we get to the Sabbath, which kind of pulls the pieces together. And the breach is knocking out this key piece, the Sabbath. And we're going to look at, expand on that more in the following points. Right. One of the things I mentioned in the earlier service is that when we talk about the Ten Commandments, um, at least from from what I've heard, we tend to talk Mm -hmm. about the first four pointing to God and then the last six pointing to man. And I see it a little bit differently. And those first three or our connection with God. Last six, our connection with man. But the fourth is that bridge. Mm-hmm. Right? It is purposefully intended to be an upward and outward mm-hmm. connection. And when you combine it all together, right, that's what glorify God. That's what glorifies God. Mm-hmm. That's the unbroken chain that he wants to see. That's what we're called to restore. And when it's broken, the whole thing starts right. falling that's apart. That's right. And it, and it cannot work. Right. So now we're on to, this is point uh, nine continued, the redemption process that God has established for humanity does not work unless the breach is repaired. The means and method of restoration that is restoring the knowledge of who God is and his character reproduced in us, the means of restoring that knowledge is broken. We are called upon to repair the breach so that we can execute the mission of God in full. And we'll probably come up on on this again in subsequent points as we keep going. 
but to keep in mind that the Sabbath understood in its full biblical context is a profound central key to the final revelation of God's character because it creates this space in which knowing God and loving neighbor is, is nurtured. Right. And that's why we stress so much the, the idea of ensuring that when you read Isaiah 58, you're, you're reading it as a whole. Mm -hmm. right? it, it, is, it is a designated plan for us to follow. Mm. So while it may seem like there's this jump right, when you're talking about you know, um, this, this false sense of worship and then what God desires and then all of a sudden it hits the Sabbath, it, it is the, the exclamation point right, mm. of the message that God is trying to get forth yep. and essentially says, here's what I want from you, here's the plan for how we restore mm -hmm. this gap, right? this link that has been broken yep. with God and humanity. That's right. So restoring the breach, that's yours. Mm -hmm. Number 10. Repairing the breach, restoring, it, restoring in its fullness the knowledge and the purpose of the Sabbath. So that is, again, the plan that he desires for us. Not just a discussion around this day, but restoring its true purpose and its true meaning for humanity, right? Its redemptive act. Mm. Right? The Sabbath is a means, is a sign of sanctification. Right? It is a method in which God desires for us to become holy. Mm -hmm. One of the things that we talked about is the idea of God imbuing himself. Right? He is within the Sabbath, and wherever God is, is holy. Right? That's what makes that time holy. And he desires that as we spend time with him, that sanctification process begins in us. Right? And as people see us through the Holy Spirit, they mm -hmm. desire to know more and be like yep. him. Now I would say if you're hearing this without the framework of the five episodes that got us here and trying to align this with maybe your current knowledge of Sabbath, mm -hmm. that could be a bit awkward because we're talking about a rediscovery right. of the Sabbath in a fresh biblical light. Right. And again, we're not, we're not changing anything here. I want to make that clear. Mm -hmm. We are expanding upon what God has already told us. Yeah. The Sabbath is not, I had mentioned before, it's not just for us, right? The Sabbath is for humanity. The Sabbath was made for man. So we need to understand that we cannot confine it to a box. We cannot confine it to mm. a list of rules. In our worship and observance of the Sabbath, yes, we are keeping that day holy. But it also requires acts, hmm. works of, and deeds of faith to be exercised upon that day. Yeah, so I, I would say, I would challenge one thing. I think we are changing personally one thing, and that is our own understanding and experience of the Sabbath. Yeah. That the Bible does challenge the way, we, the way we've held the Sabbath and thought about the right. Sabbath. It doesn't it challenges kind of the narrow perspective we've right. had and expands it, sort of like the new commandment. You said, I give you a new commandment. It wasn't the first time that people have been told to love each other, but it was, it was such a contrast to what they knew that it felt new to them. So Jesus told them a very old truth, like a whole new idea, and I feel like that's some of what we're discovering. What I'm discovering in this journey is a fresh discovery of the Sabbath. Right. It's been in the text. That's the part we're not changing. It's in right. the text, 
but it's not necessarily, it's definitely not what I've known. And I, it's exciting as things have expanded and opened up. Right. The example that I gave is it's kind of like going into a dark basement with a flashlight and mm. you're working your way around, right? Well, all, all the stuff has already been there. <laughs> That's true. Right? There's nothing new down there. It's just now I have an opportunity to see it, mm -hmm. right? I, I now have the tool that I, that I need in order to see mm. what's already been there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. Well, we got to keep going. So mm -hmm. we are on number 11. And this is meaning of the Sabbath. The meaning of the Sabbath. Sabbath has two sides: receiving God's lavish gifts, especially His companionship, and imparting goodness to others out of His overflowing abundance. And this is one of the things that was borne out in our studies, which I found fascinating. When we look at uh, the instances where God delivers the commandments we actually see two distinct reasons for why he states that we should observe and worship him. Hmm. In Exodus 20, verse 8, it says that we should worship him because he is the creator. They've just come out of bondage in Egypt. 400 years, right, that their, their minds have been warped because of this false worship. They've been bowing down to false gods. So what the Lord must do, pull them out of that situation, reiterate who he is, right? Have them know him. So he tells them that you honor the Sabbath because I am the creator, mm -hmm. right? So it is, a, it is a dismissing of what they had been taught all those years. Mm -hmm. But in Deuteronomy, we see a different vantage point. Mm -hmm. Deuteronomy 5.15, he comes at this from the fact that he delivered them out of bondage. Mm -hmm. They're preparing to go into the promised land. They're preparing to settle into this place where they will have other nations around them. And what he desires for them to know is that you worship me because I delivered you. And therefore, you need to be merciful and deliver, deliver others. So again, it's this two-pronged approach to the Sabbath and expanding of what they understand the Sabbath to be. Mm -hmm. uh, God has to deliver them, show them who he is, then he can add on right, to the Sabbath in its fullness. Mm -hmm. So it's this relationship with him that we seek on Sabbath, but it, it's also a relationship with yeah. others. right? Yeah. So we receive from him on Sabbath and we spread to others as we go out. Mm -hmm. Yes, so we continue, and this is yours, TJ. The Sabbath points to the highest realization of human potential, personal companionship with the infinite, intimate God. Mm. The Sabbath holds out this vision of a flourishing society, human beings ever falling more deeply in love with God and out of that love caring selflessly for one another and the created world. Mm. Essentially expanding on what you were talking about and what that first point about the two sides to the Sabbath, that the Sabbath represents this vision of humanity in deepening relationship with God and in selfless care for mm -hmm. fellow human beings and for the created world. That's captured in the Sabbath. The Sabbath is designed to nurture and cause that reality to flourish. Right. The beauty of what the Sabbath offers has been lost on most of the world because the world is selfish. Right? It's inwardly focused. Imagine a society where the majority of people are focused on taking care of the others around them. 
And if that's too large of a concept, imagine a church that is focused in that manner. Hmm. Imagine Brunswick Seventh-day Adventist Church focused on taking care of those around them, focused on taking care of this community. What kind of impact would that have? What would they say about us? So there's a little question. It's in parentheses. It's in your worksheet, uh, not the worksheet, but the study guide here. And it just challenges us to think about the way we, it, it's uh, under point eight, but the way we spend our dollars and our resources and our human capital and our facility capital, locally, globally, conference-wide, et cetera, and is the way we spend that oriented toward the mission of God in loving radically, or is it something where we're just kind of propping up our own self-interest or our own way of doing religion. I think it's a worthy consideration. How do we invest our resources toward advancing the kingdom agenda of loving neighbor as we live in the love of God? Right, right. And I think it's, it's not only at that church level, but I think it's a question we can ask ourselves as individual, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. How we spend our time and how we spend our money. Yeah. Right? Um, again, I, I agree. I, th- I think it's, it's a challenge to all of us, right? To, to maybe reevaluate some of the things that we, that we do or are involved in um, and determine, well, is this something that is glorifying God, right? And moving forward, his purpose in communing with the people around us. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this one's yours, Jesus. Jesus' relationship to the Sabbath was one of deliberate working to restore it to its proper place in the mm-hmm. life of the church and the larger community. If knowing God is the highest realization of human experience, you remember Jesus' words, John 17, this is life eternal that they might know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So this highest realization of human potential is knowing and being known by God. If that's the case, and this is the reality that the Sabbath represents, then Jesus died to assure the very thing the Sabbath has enshrined all along. That's, for me, that was the big, one of the most powerful revelations is the Sabbath was instituted at the very, in the pre-fall world because God longs to know and be known and it was a space of quality time where God intended to nurture his fellowship and communion with humanity. He in eternity past, where there's no sin, there's no, there's no evil, in, in, at least here on earth. And God makes this space to know and be known. Because for him, that's the highest ideal of existence and the highest ideal of existence for the, his new creation. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus' death was to secure the privilege of human beings living in communion with God. Right, right. We move on to the next slide. The Sabbath was intended to serve as a spiritual course correction for society, the weekly reminder of our obligation to God and humanity, keeping us in tune with the character of God. It ensures that the acts of love and good works done are not just confined to a particular day, but become a way of life throughout the entire week, Hmm. the Sabbath way of life. I really love, love that term, that it's not just what I do on that day, it's not just the recognition of that day, but as I commune with God, 
and I spread his love to others on that day, it is something that is pervasive throughout my life during mm -hmm. the course of the week. So as I do business with my clients, as I interact with coworkers, as I'm out in the community, when I'm with my family, that Sabbath way of life mm. always comes through. Mm -hmm. right? So I am always repre representing him in everything that I yep. do. That's right. So now we move to point number 12. God de God's desire to see acts of mercy, tenderness, and relief of oppression far outweigh the elements of our structured religious service. He has elevated the needs of the poor and suffering above our ritualistic traditions. There is a place for our formal worship service, but it cannot take the place of doing the work of God. And the real bottom line of this is just so that we're reminded that in the context of Isaiah 58 and the larger story of Scripture, coming to church once a week is not Christian life. Right. That's a piece of it, but that's not the idea. The idea of Christian life is so much bigger than that. It's about loving and serving. And the meeting once a week is just one piece of that larger Sabbath rhythm. Right, right. Again, it's, it is, it is a, a fuel, right, for the fire that is supposed to be within us. When we come here and meet together, we are spiritually energized by His Spirit and by the communion with others. Hmm. But it cannot end there, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's an incomplete cycle if it just ends there. Now, I'm not saying that every now and then a Sabbath nap isn't needed, right? But we can't continue to have our focus be inward. Right? Mm. We have got to, when we come here, right, filled with that spirit, we have got to spread it out. Mm -hmm. right? Or else we fall victim to what ancient Israel did. Mm. Right? That we become so high-minded about ourselves and those, our services and our rituals that that becomes the be-all and end-all of mm -hmm. our religious experience. Mm -hmm. And we completely miss out on the blessing that God has for us yep. and the blessing that we can be for others. Mm. Absolutely. I think you have the next one. Sabbath was Christ's busiest day for healing the sick because it was the time that afforded him the best opportunity to meet the people where they were at. He made it his duty to purposefully engage with people on Sabbath and be a blessing to them. Mm. Right, so Christ did never miss an opportunity to meet the needs of those around him. Despite the belief of the Jewish leaders, he was in perfect harmony mm -hmm. with the law of God when he went out and healed. Yep. It didn't matter where he was, right? whether he was in a synagogue, in, in the countryside, in the streets, in someone's home. He was always looking for an opportunity, particularly on the Sabbath, to heal someone of their burdens, setting an example for us. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. And so we come to our last two points. And this point 13 is a long stretch to try to summarize, in some sense, the big picture. Scripture paints for us the final move of God within the human story. To form human beings in the shape of his love revealed in selfless care for the least or the marginalized. This restoration of human hearts takes place as the Spirit causes a fresh understanding of the gospel and a rediscovery of the Sabbath and its purpose. 
Number four. The, yeah, go Well, ahead. I was going to say in, in the key element, um, in shaping us in his love. That's what it all boils mm. down to. And I think I had mentioned before that, that sometimes we tend to, to think about these sermons related to God's love as milk, as a message for those that are wet behind the ears, young Christians. But it is the, the paramount thing mm-hmm. right, when it comes to the gospel. Mm-hmm. The love of God. This is all because of the love of God. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't that be something that is a key element of our message? Mm-hmm. Right? Everything that he does stems from that love. Mm. And hence, everything that we do should stem from that love as well. Mm. Yeah, amen. Point 14. The final human struggle will be about character Selfishness versus selfish, self, selfishness versus selflessness. The Sabbath, rightly understood as far more than a day, will form the defining line between those who love neighbor radically and those who love self supremely. In this context, the selfless lives of God's people will provoke a final firestorm of hatred. That's the summary. We've just touched in 14. We've definitely reached into the future of Mm -hmm. topics we're going to cover, but that kind of puts the pieces together. One of the reasons we wanted to include 14 is this recognition, especially for us, that Sabbath is more than a day. Sabbath is a day, but it's more than a day. And it especially relates to character specifically God's selfless character, and that in the final, the final struggle in the human family will be over character, and the Sabbath will be a marker to those whose characters reflect the selfless character right. of God. Right, and it's, and it's not just, again, about the day, but it's about what the day does to us, mm. it's what it does for us, and it's what it does for humanity. Yeah. That's what angers Satan so much. Mm -hmm. Two things. Number one, we'll have a brief afterglow after the closing song. Number two, there is a Bible study gathering at Omega Wellness this afternoon at one. TJ and I will be facilitating that. If you want to go deeper, process these thoughts, reflect together, it's not going to be Sabbath school style or even preaching style. It's going to be an interaction. We're just going to be hashing through this together, thinking through this, reflecting on this, and just allowing God to teach us and expose our minds to the, bright, the, the dawning of a deeper understanding of him and Isaiah 58 and, and the related biblical stuff. You want to pray for us? Sure. Lord, we have had a wonderful time discussing your word, Lord, digging into the deepness of who you are. As we separate today, we beg and plead for your spirit to go with us, Lord. That as we meet and greet others in the world, as we walk and talk with those around us, that your spirit will be in the forefront of everything that we do. That we may rightly reflect your character of mercy and love. And through that, give the world a true understanding of who you are. I ask all this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. 
hope you were blessed by today's message. For more content or to connect with us, visit us online at brunswickadventist.church.com.